I shocked you. I took you aback. You did take me aback. I startled you. You did. I uh, didn't know. St- luckily, I did not say anything untoward. That's okay. Untoward. I like that word. You don't hear that word very often. Untoward. Yeah. Well, untoward is what I always say. Is it untoward? Uh, either way, whatever you want. So, uh, first off, really quickly, uh, Jeffrey Tambor is stalking me. Yeah, I read that on Facebook. I yeah. didn't quite understand that. Well, like a week ago, I went to uh, Whole Foods Market in Santa Monica, and I pull into a parking space. Literally, as I pull in, Tambor walks right past me and into his car right in front of me at a meter and, and drives away. Okay, what does he drive? Uh, it was a Jeep. It was a white Jeep. Like, like a late model Jeep? Or like a late model Jeep? kind of Jeep Cherokee deal. A late model Jeep Cherokee or an yeah. older Jeep Jeep? Like a late model Jeep Cherokee thing. I think it was fairly new. Anyway. Okay. Uh, and he uh, it, it drives away. And literally, if, if either of us had been off by 45 seconds, 30 seconds, we would have missed each other. Yesterday, I, I kid you not, uh, roaming around, uh, you know, Hit Gelson's where there's always celebrity sightings going on, right? And Peter Horton is there with his ridiculously gorgeous family. It's like you, if you were to go onto a computer and just say, manufacture me the ultimate uh, genetically perfect eugenic American family with just the bohunky dad and gorgeous wife and amazing daughters and just who, give me a perfect, they're Peter Horton and his family, just like the strutting through the market, like they're just amazing. And I was just thinking, this is the most impossibly perfect-looking family in the world. Damn you, Peter Horton. And then, so afterwards, we zip over to this restaurant to grab dinner because, you know, it's easy to plan dinner when you're two. But when you suddenly have a three-year-old, just time goes out the window. So we have to pick it up from an Italian restaurant, go in, grab it, walking out. There's a there's like a, a minivan literally pulls up, and here comes uh, here he comes with with his grandkids. Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. Wait, so was he driving the minivan? I don't know. But well, literally, literally, once again, if we had been, if either of us had been off by 30 seconds, we'd have missed each other. Now, That's just too weird. So the universe is conspiring to tell me something. What, uh, that you should, uh, you should change genders. Jeffrey Dam, yeah, maybe that's what, it. Uh, what kind of minivan was it? I don't know. I think it might have been a Toyota. Okay. I was a little too, I was a little freaked out. I was suddenly looking for the candid camera at that point. I I, I couldn't focus. It's I really not straight. that exciting. I mean, it's not. It's interesting because yeah. most of our listeners yeah. will you know never meet a celebrity and yeah. don't care to meet a celebrity because yeah. who cares? But love Jeffrey Tambor by the way. Okay. You realize apart from even his his role on the Ropers, did you know that he played three different characters in guest spots on Three's Company over the over the season uh, the seasons of that show? All I know is it's fantastic. Love him. No. All I know He's is uh, Larry Sanders. All you need to know. Gosh, he's so good on everything he does. He's good, isn't he? Just one of the best character actors of all time. Well, why are we talking about him? I don't know. Don't we want to talk about the DVDs and Blu-rays. You know, yes, but you know what? I also want to talk about. Uh, I want you to relay to our listeners just for a moment. We have a little bit of listener mail. We'll, we'll cut through as well because it's a big backlog from you know after the holidays. But I want you to relay to our listeners, as I did this morning to someone else, this ridiculous drama surrounding Batman versus Superman that is going on behind the scenes that no one else knows about. Well, it, it, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit of like a first world critic problem. It is, but it's, it's but, but it's, it's fascinating. There is something normally for the big films, like let's say Batman versus Superman, critics expect an all media invite. Yeah. 
You know, they expect it. It comes in the week before, maybe the Wednesday, Thursday before for the screening. That's maybe the Monday or the Tuesday for the movie that comes out Friday. Yes. Right? And if it's something they're very excited about and they really want to create buzz on and they don't really, they're not afraid of spoilers, very often it will screen the week before. It'll screen, you know, uh, eight or nine days before it opens. Uh, maybe, you know, a week and a half before it opens, and uh, you'll get that two weeks in advance. Now, when this happened with The Force Awakens, which is everybody wanted to know whether The Force Awakens would even screen, I don't think we we wondered that because we thought Disney was hiding a stinker. I just think that Disney was being extremely protective of this franchise. Of story story plot points. That's right. Yeah, they want to keep them secret. So with Superman, it's Tuesday... No screening invite. It's Wednesday. There's no screening invite. It's mm-hmm. Thursday. Mm-hmm. There's no screening invite. It's Friday. And it's noon. There's no screening invite. And, 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 and you know, it all, it's sort of always amazing. It's almost like they think that each of us are, are, are like these closeted little hermits who live in a vacuum. And, like, we don't talk to anyone else, even though we've all, for, for 20 years, we all go to the same screenings and see each other there. We somehow, we don't, we don't have a social life. Like, every critic in Los Angeles pretty much knows just about every other critic in Los Angeles. I mean, this is if you look on our Facebook list to almost all of us, we all have like 80, 90, 100, 150 people in common. Well, we, publicists and everybody else, we know tons of people in common. So suddenly the word starts going around between you and me and Tim and Luke and everybody else. Where they screening? That was great. I don't know. I heard there was a, heard there was a thing for for junket, but they weren't letting me see it. I couldn't get into that one. And, uh, no, I had heard that there yeah. was a junket screening. Yeah. Last week, and that word was uh, mixed. Mm-hmm. Let's say. So we were kind of wondering when is it going to come down for all media. So I mean, now we have a we actually have a Facebook email group. Yes, we do. Right, Andy Klein is on there. Yeah. And Tim Tim Cogshill's on there. Yeah. Wade Nyer on there. Luke Thompson's on there. Amy's on there. Amy Amy's Nicholson. on there. Amy Nicholson's on there. So we're sort of going back and forth. Now, yeah. people like Amy and Alonzo Duralde, they'll 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 get it they'll get it before I will. Oh yeah, for sure. The trades will get it yeah, before I will. Of course. Uh, but still, we're all wondering, and nobody knows where it is. Yeah. So of course, it, it, it as usual, it falls upon Wade, who doesn't <laughs> mind being the biggest jerk on the planet, <laughs> to email Warner Brothers and say, "What the f." Almost in well, those words, what the f? It, look, it, part of part of it is because there are certain studios you have a better relationship with than others, and one of the publicists at Warner Brothers is someone that I've known for a very, very, very long time, um, and so I, you know, I, she's always my point person. She's always taking care of me. I got to see the you know the last Superman film substantially in advance at a daytime screening on the lot, so. Uh, I emailed her and she said, you know, so-and-so is taking care of it. She threw me to somebody else and I get this very curt email back that says, um, yep, sorry, screening's already closed. It's overbooked. And I was like, what, what wait, screening? Wait, wait. You, you didn't send me that one. You sent yeah. me the subsequent one. Yeah. They, no, the first one was, yeah, screening's overbooked. Really? Sorry, I can't get you in. I'm like, really? It's over. I, what do you, what screening? When? Who? How? Where? There, I, no invite? Nothing. What's going on? And then I got, and within minutes I got another one back said, oh, Sorry. No, you're invited. Just can't bring guests. And here it is. Here's the information. I'm like, okay, something is super weird here. So then, of course, I threw the information to oh, you. Oh, here it is. And- wait, wait, wait. Can, now, can I, can I read this? this? This is the email. I'm, I'm reading this down. This ahead. is the email you sent me. Just don't, don't attribute it, but go ahead. Uh, you received this from, uh, from the studio. And you did forward this to me, yeah. which I didn't see. Unfortunately, we are not able to add you to the screening as we are at capacity. That's it. And then you, I won't read your response. Then you <laughs> My, responded well, with... Well, I'm, I'm always very passive-aggressive. Well, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of passive in this yeah. one. And then, then they emailed you back and they said, um, okay, 
no no guests. Yeah. So then when you when when you got that, I emailed that same person mm-hmm. and I said, hey, uh, I I heard yeah. through the grapevine. <laughs> That there's good rocking at midnight. No, I heard through the grapevine that there's a screening, yeah. and I, I I would like in. And so they sent me the same thing they sent you, which is that uh, you know no we've guess. only sent it to limited. Oh, wait, 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 what did you say? It's it's insane. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's they crazy. only sent it to limited number of people, but we'll let you in, but without a guest. Mm-hmm. So I'm going Tuesday, and you're going Tuesday. I, I assume I'm going. I mean, un- unless something, I'm going. You know, well I've got. Why don't you I, go? Because I got a crazy busy Tuesday. I got a lot of stuff Tuesday, but um, you mean a lot of stuff? It's like this is this this is going to be I, I the make, biggest bomb of the year. Well, this is the thing. Um, it, 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 the only alternative that I would have to sing uh, Tuesday, if if I don't have to do any radio stuff on it, because I, I have to find out what the embargo information is. But if I don't have to do like a KABC radio thing on Wednesday, then I would probably you know I might hold off and just see it Thursday night with an audience and see what the audience thinks of it because I'm curious. Is because there an embargo? I'm looking at this invite. Is there an embargo? I think it's opening day, but it's bound to be broken like within three eight, hours. Eight seconds. Yeah, I'm sure Justin will you know will knock something out of the park because he's beyond reproach. But the the issue is the issue is why are they treating this so skittishly? They are treating this even more apprehensively than Lionsgate treated Allegiant. I mean, you realize Lionsgate pretty much buried Allegiant. Well, because they knew it sucked. Yeah, they 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 buried that sucker, and uh, you know that was. But this is I've never I've never seen. This is the first superhero film that I've seen treated this way. Uh, you know, even if you even if you try to assign the Force Awakens reasoning to mm-hmm. it, that they don't want to give away spoilers and they're afraid of ruining the wonderful experience for audiences. Yeah, I, I don't I don't buy that. No, I, of I, not. I think that the word on the street is very tepid, and they're a little nervous about that. Well, Luke said something really interesting. Luke, Luke was Luke always reads these things well because this is kind of his bailiwick, right? This is his his area, you know, nerd films and superhero stuff. And 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 uh, he said, yeah, because it's a nearly three hour movie um, w- w- with the you know centered on a conflict. And he was much more eloquent than I am being right now. And I'm paraphrasing. It's a th- nearly three hour movie with uh, the central conflict in the title that everyone knows has to be a draw and can't take the whole movie just to, to shake out. So. The, and and I was like, that is a really interesting thing. It's like because it's Batman versus Superman. Nobody walking in actually expects to, to one of them to win. You know, it's that one of them's not going to win. There's there's got to be something else to it. So that's kind of a curious. It's true. It's curious. It's a, thing. it's a very good point. And I think that that also Snyder. I don't know how much credibility he has in the nerd community. I, I just I think there are people who are passionate for him and, and his, his yeah. sucker punch, whatever the hell. But other people are like, you're just lame. And also, I think that there's a there's a sense that. The DC films have been forced by virtue of the Marvel films to become darker and darker and darker. True. And I just think that uh, it just seems very well. Marvel did it the candy-colored way. Well, we have to go dark. Well, talking about dark, and I will leave you with this, and then I'm going to blow through a bunch of anime, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll carry this on. But uh, you know, uh, the second season of Daredevil dropped a couple of days ago, and I have been binging it. Uh, in the wee hours of the night, and I gotta say, man, that is—it's good stuff. Really? It, it's really good stuff. IndieWire was cruel to it; they didn't—they they didn't get it. But it's, it's so—it is insane how dark and violent and gory that show has gotten. I mean, it is unreal. It is—it is—it is so beyond. It is like R plus. I mean, what Netflix has allowed them to do—they are really going beyond. It is deeply, deeply dark and disturbing. It I'm, is what, really dark. Well, I'm fine. It's so interesting with the uh, with the Marvel universe on television. 
and in film that they have thankfully, and they can even do this more, but they have thankfully found room for the, as I'm saying before, the candy-colored films, yes. the hard R's, yeah. the light R's like Guardians of the Galaxy, the Ant-Man's, which are a little bit more kind of mm-hmm. charming and silly and lightweight, but knowingly lightweight. Yeah, no, they, they're, they're, they found gradations within that they universe. They have. They definitely have, which the DC people haven't no, yet. They, you know why? Because it, it, it's all got to be dark and badass. That's well, the whole thing. Except on TV, which is why I think they should let Greg Berlanti, I even posted this in the, in the Facebook group, they should let, just let Berlanti take the whole thing over. Because what he's doing with the TV shows, really from Arrow to Flash... You know, they're going to have a Flash and Supergirl tie-in soon. Uh, I mean, by and large, he kind of gets it, you know? Gets it better than anybody else who's, who's, who's been brought into the Warner DC world. And they really should just let Nolan and Snyder go and just let Berlanti take it over and just integrate everything and have a, have a lot of fun with it. I mean, really, just let, let him loose. He will have so much fun. Let him godfather the whole thing, well, the whole universe. But see, you say something. By the way, we're talking nothing about DVDs and Blu-rays. But you say the word fun. If you look at Joss Whedon... And very surprisingly, but very successfully, the Russo brothers, yeah. the movies, I mean, I, I have issues with them, but let's just say that in their world, they're trying to make them fun. True. You know? Very true. And I just think that the Warner Brothers films, as we were saying before, are trying to be dark and badass, and I just think that people were re- not rejected. There's always folks who will think that's like, oh my God, I can't yeah. believe that it's so dark and badass. But in a way, I just think people want good characters, good storytelling. I agree. And that's it. All right, here we go. We're going to jump in. I'm going to hit some anime stuff. Uh, let Mark take a breather for a moment and uh, go through this real quickly. Ranma, uh, the Ranma half, one over two uh, stuff. Uh, we got, you know, Ranma is something I've never totally gotten into, but sets five, six, and seven, all restored, 23 episodes apiece, all on Blu-ray, are out from uh, the wonderful people at, uh, at Viz. And uh, one of the top uh, anime distributors of Blu-rays. They, of course, also do all the Pokemon stuff. And um, you know what? This is this is a fascinating saga. If you are really, really, really into martial arts, like animated martial arts comedy that is deeply steeped in Japanese uh, culture, uh, it is very Japanese. Probably more than almost any other anime that I've ever seen. But it is, uh, you know what? It's it's fun, even if it makes no sense, even if you have no entree into this world, and you pretty much have to watch this thing from the very, very beginning. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's fun stuff. So if it's, uh, it sets five, six, and seven are out, all of them special editions, all restored. Uh, we also have from Sente, uh, Monthly Girls, Nozaki-kun, uh, the complete collection. This is twelve episodes, uh, uh, which is more of that kind of high schooly stuff. The you know uh, the girls and guys and you know uniforms and crushes and uh, there's a lot of that. And uh, I don't think this is all that special, but it's uh, it's not bad. It's just in the ballpark. It kind of it's familiar stuff. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Zeta. This is uh, Series 2, uh, or, or Section 2, whatever you want to call it. Uh, episodes 26 through 50. Uh, more of the, you know, basically in the Transformers realm, the giant robot stuff, the giant super suit stuff. Uh, really well animated. This is from Right Stuff. Uh, this is, uh, you know, kind of a sequel series to the original Mobile Suit Gundam. Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, Zeta and it's good. It's well animated. It's uh, it, it, but uh, it's not going to win over anybody who's not already a fan of that particular franchise. Uh, then we've also got Celestial Method, 
This is one of the the complete collection. This is also from Sente. Uh, this is one of those kind of uh, mystical, girly things. This is for basically dirty old men who don't want to admit that they're dirty old men. So this shot stops just short. It's a little fantastical story. Lots of cute girls. Lots of fun colored hair and outfits and... Uh, the voice characterizations are a little bit creepy. I always have to wonder who does the voice characterizations because they're very elfin. Does that make sense? No. No. Okay. Psychopaths 2. Uh, this is uh, more kind of cyberpunky stuff. More my speed. Uh, still beyond me, but it's, uh, you know, uh, really cool animation, actually. Really, really great artwork. Great animation. This is from Funimation. This is Season 2, Episodes 1 through 11 of Season 2. This is a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. Um, kind of, th- th- this is more like second-generation TV cyberpunk anime. Really cool animation. Tokyo ESP. Uh, the complete series, episodes 1 through 12. This is also a Blu-ray DVD combo set from Funimation. More outstanding uh, uh, artwork. This is really, really great. Um, this is, again, centered in kind of a high school world, but it's like not it's not the kind of goofy high school world that a lot of the other high school stuff is. Um, this has much more of a noir feel to it. It's really, really cool. Uh, and, the, and the artwork is just to die for. And then we've got, uh, let's see, a few other things here. Kingdom, the complete second season. This is only on DVD. This is a samurai epic. Um, it's okay. Kind of familiar. This is from Funimation. Uh, this is, it, it, it's sort of, um, it's Chinese, but it's done in the samurai style. So, if that makes sense. Uh, it's anime, but set in China. So, it's of the, of the Japanese samurai style, but about, you're not listening to me, are you? I am not. Okay, never mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, the big, wide-eyed, cute girl, silly, comedy, pixie motif takes a very strange turn into No Rin, the complete series. This is a Blu-ray DVD combo set, also from Funimation. Um, this is more of the really wacky high school teen stuff, but in uh, a slightly more lascivious reign. Uh, I, 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 Mark, what do, you, what do you make of that artwork? Is that it's creepy? the same. It's the same as all the other yeah, artwork. It's, it's just big eyes and, and purple hair, lipless mouths and purple hair, and, yeah. and just oddly right. juvenile and yet sexual and yet creepy all at the same time. Okay, uh, and then we also have a Blu-ray DVD combo set. Brothers Conflict. Uh, this is uh, really really well animated. Um, the story is actually pretty interesting and pretty well written. I almost kind of the subtitles were distracting. I, I kind of wish that they had this. I kind of wish the English language version of this were were better and and uh, not so weak uh, because the the voice characterization the Japanese voice characterization is really really good it's just it's distracting to read the subtitles and tough to kind of get your to wrap yourself around it it's um it's it's I don't want to say it's Indiana Jones like because it's not it's about a, a woman who is the daughter of a famous explorer and uh, it it gets into Oh, gosh. Um, some interesting family dynamics. Let's just say that. Interesting family dynamics. Um, uh, it's not really anime-like. It's very soap opera-ish. Not really an easy way to describe that one. Uh, Sente Selects, uh, a classic series, Those Who Hunt Elves, the complete collection, two seasons on four discs, 24 episodes. That's out on DVD. Let me go through a few of these real fast uh, just to let people know. Uh, also from Sente, When They Cry, the complete collection, season one. Uh, 26 episodes on Blu-ray. There's more. There's the girl with the big eyes again with the sword. 
They all have big eyes. I know they all have big eyes. Actually, this one's uh, this one's a this one's a little bit creepier. This is like cute and gory at the same time. Um, let's see. Waiting in the summer, the complete collection, twelve episodes and OVA on Blu-ray from Sente. Uh, got a couple in here that are a little bit more. Let's see. Wolf Girl and uh, Black Prince. This is another one of those teen college high school things. Complete collection from Sente. Uh, except this one's a little bit more Twilight-ish. Uh, kind of uh, clearly meant to capitalize on that. That's sort of, you know, generic. We've seen that before. Uh, UGO GX Season 3. Never got into the UGO thing. This is uh, six DVDs from uh, Cinedime through their Flatiron Film subsidiary. And uh, then the last batch of these, real fastly, uh, Wizard Barristers from Sente Complete Collection. Uh, Twelve episodes. Uh, Harry Potter-ish. A little bit. Kind of clearly, clearly derivative. Um, this is Prisma Ilya Two Way Complete Collection. Don't even ask. Uh, this one is just a little bit off. This is this is like pixie magic. It's beyond the Harry Potter thing. Uh, let's see, Collection One of Shirobako. That's another teen thing. That's a kind of a somewhat comedic Akame Ga Kill episodes 1 through 12 collection 1 that's also uh, that, that actually has been on TV if you ever if you ever watch uh, Toonami on Adult Swim this, this one's uh, been on there I uh, got a new Pokemon this is Pokemon the series XY uh, 24 episodes not really any different from any other Pokemon uh, the limited edition collection on Blu-ray of uh, three Pokemon movies Pokemon the first movie Pokemon 2000 and Pokemon uh, 3 all of them give me hives. I don't like any of the Pokemon stuff. And then the last batch of these, let's see, the last DVD that we have is PETA 10, which is uh, not nearly as amusing as it thinks it is. It decides to make everybody's heads bigger than they should be and their eyes even bigger, and they wind up looking like the, like the, the big eyes paintings in the Tim Burton film. It's really kind of creepy. It's meant to be cute, but it winds up being creepy. And uh, Blade Dance of the uh, Elementalers Complete Collection from Sente. This is fun. This is uh, kind of an all-girl fantasy uh, warrior troupe. Uh, Rei Hamatora, Season 2, also from Sente. Uh, Momokyun Sword Complete Collection, also from Sente. All of these are from Sente, these last ones. Uh, except for the very last Tamako Market The Complete Collection Which I kind of Don't really get But it, it's worth Putting on in the background It's kind of funny There's stuff that happens And I don't really You know If you're not paying attention You just hear somebody Say something in Japanese And it winds up being funny It's weird Like it, it's funnier Than it has any business being And then the last one Is from Made in Japan uh, Which is, uh, this is This is a little bit tweaked uh, I wouldn't recommend this To anybody Unless you really like The kind of dark Twisted uh, slightly gory, uh, but not really politically correct uh, Japanese anime. This is called Corpse Party, Tortured Souls. I'll let the title speak for itself. If, you, if you've heard the title and you like anime, you know exactly what class of anime that falls in with. Wait, you don't realize that I have a new Blu-ray player. You have a new Blu-ray player? Yes. Really? Guess what it is? Uh, I don't know. PlayStation 4. Now, the play is the thing. The PlayStation 4, what? It's good. Okay, fine. It's a good Blu-ray player. All right. It also comes with a free game. I got the PlayStation 4 bundle that comes with a Call of Duty 3. I'm sure you did. You know what? 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 I like it. Call of Duty 3, it's good. Okay. By the way, okay, it took me a while to get up to the PlayStation 4, but wait, I am telling you, when we are done with this podcast, I'm going to fire up the PlayStation 4. You do that. I'm going to play for you something that will curl your hair. Okay. On the PlayStation 4, obviously you can... 
there are dozens of streams where you can literally watch gamers uh-huh. play their game. You, yeah. they're, 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 the little 13-year-old from Boise, Idaho is, is in a box in the corner of the screen. Sure. And you see him playing... Of course. You know, The Witness, whatever he's playing. Or yeah. Grand Theft Auto. Of course. But also, there's all sorts of crazy Ustream, live Ustream videos that you can watch. And it's all just... It's on the PlayStation 4. You can scroll it on down. You just, you just, you While you're playing. But scroll all these different Ustream videos. You get these folks. They are... They live in... I saw one. It was a woman, this African American woman who lives in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and she was sitting at the edge of her bed with her five-year-old son on her lap, yeah. and all she was doing is, is staring into the PlayStation Four camera, streaming to the world. Anybody with a PlayStation Four can can watch and yeah. her, listen to her. All about how Cleveland is more dangerous than Detroit, and here's why. And all she did for all the time I was watching it totally sucked into it, a total sinkhole of time, is watching this woman who clearly who clearly lives in Cleveland mm-hmm. talk about the police in Cleveland, how they're more dangerous than the, the police in Detroit, how Cleveland... And then and then on, on the right side of the screen, there'd be all these comments from people who were watching her stream. Mm-hmm. And they would say, no way, man. Or, and they, they would say horrible things like, you know, cut your son's hair, or you're a bad mom. This is like terrible stuff. This is a horrible, horrible story. This is very it depressing. It really is weird. It's a weird thing. Very depressing. You really get into like these... You're you're not only getting into like nooks and crannies of America that you don't mm-hmm. see because we live in Los Angeles, but you're in their homes. Yeah, that's kind of you're that's in their disturbing. Homes. It is really disturbing. My 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 uh, my waking hours are usually consumed with watching my three year old daughter watch uh, Sarah and Duck, which is another British animated show, and laugh herself almost unconscious because she finds Duck so funny. It's really kind of, that that almost disturbs me too. Ducks are stupid. Yeah, duck ducks is creepy. Are, anyway, the dumbest. so Mark, we we covered uh, we we talked about two Frankenstein releases in the last couple of weeks. Uh, are we done talking about Frankenstein? Oh, we are. Oh, we're not. <sighs> what? Gosh. Anyway, I, this is a. Uh, I you know I don't know what it is that makes actors want to do a Frankenstein film other than the fact that that they get hired and paid. You know, Matt's attached to a Frankenstein film. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen just because he's because it's well, he's obviously he's doing the next two Planet of the Apes films, and then he's also attached to a Twilight Zone movie. He's also attached to a Frankenstein movie. I don't know how many of them are actually going to happen, but anyway. Well, but the, you know, nowadays directors are attached to seventeen different. Oh yeah, things, oh yeah. You know, two get done. Yeah. Um, this is Victor Frankenstein. It stars uh, Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy. Uh, you know, they wanted this to be the Frankenstein version of uh, of Sherlock on TV, right? Get a couple of you know skew younger. Let's get younger and but hipper. But that's just lame. Yeah. Look, if, if if I were that age, especially if I was a, if I was a, a person of British descent, yeah. like say Daniel Radcliffe and also James McAvoy from yeah. across the pond, I understand maybe they were interested in playing these characters. Right? Yeah. It's uh, it's it's classic literature. Why the heck not? You finally get to do something that's kind of cool. At least I'm sure they read it when they were kids. Mm. So I understand the attraction, but I will say that when the movie that results from this is as tedious. And boring and long and dreadful. So, this one, it's so unreal, isn't it? Is how they just, how they bonk this? Uh, you know what? It just seemed it just seemed destined to be bonked. It, it's just it's so strange. You know, I, it's just uh, it's too long and it's schizophrenic and it's it's kind of it's a bit of a reimagining and none of the new stuff, the reimagining stuff, really makes sense. I'm I'm amazed that they have gone to this. The, it, we had pretty much left Frankenstein alone for a very long time after. 
uh, young Frankenstein, frankly, which sort of so r- relentlessly, mercilessly, and yet lovingly parodied the genre. It, it, it sort of put a capper on it and said, okay, we're done. There it is. That's finished. And uh, then suddenly they, they had this bright idea, well, let Kenneth Branagh play Victor Frankenstein and direct Robert De Niro as, you know... That was weird. And that just didn't work at all. And I thought that really was the nail in the coffin. And yet now they just keep doing it over and over and over. They keep resurrecting this thing, so to speak. Well, but... but, 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 Yeah, but what they do here is they they tell the story through Igor. Yeah, well... Like, the story is told through the lab assist. That's the whole idea. Oh, wow, that's so novel. (laughs) See, I'm not really sure what... What perspective Igor gives on it? I mean, I guess Igor, as you're watching yeah. the film, you realize that Igor can be almost like an audience surrogate, where yeah. he's commenting on on Frankenstein's actions. You know, yeah. I, I get that idea, but it just seems like a twist that it, it, it's not novel enough, no. or doesn't yield enough character surprises to make it necessary. It most certainly does not. However, uh, Brooklyn, continuing the uh, the Blu-ray release streak of films that were nominated for uh, Academy Awards, Brooklyn is a film that I absolutely uh, unreservedly love. And I was elated that this thing stuck around and maintained its Oscar momentum, gotten uh, three Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, and then a very deserved Best Actress nomination for Shorsha Ronan, or Shirsha Ronan. I will never pronounce her name correctly. Uh, all apologies to my uh, Welsh great-grandmother. But uh, it, this is just a lovely, sweet immigrant story and uh, loving, lovingly told about a young Irish girl who comes to the United States and uh, in the 1950s, and it just it sort of captures the whole, the whole immigrant experience wonderfully. They are going to do a television spinoff of this, you know that, with Julie Walters, <laughs> that home for, for the immigrant girls that, that she's a part of. just horrible. You know, Julie Walters is so great. I, sure. This could be a total Downton Abbey kind of thing. It really it could, it could work beautifully. Shirsha Ronan's not going to be in it. Julie Walters will be anchoring it, and it'll be sort of centering on that home where all the girls come. Anyway, this is just a lovely story. It is beautifully told. Uh, director John Crowley has been on the cusp for so long, and I've been such a huge fan of his. I agree. Uh, best, b- best Irish director, you know, since uh, since uh, she was uh, Jim yes. Sheridan, could we say? Fair enough? Fair enough. But uh, i got to say, with, with uh, Crowley, I mean, I was a big fan of um, Boy A. Oh, it was great. Boy A, now, that, now you're talking, you know, almost 10 years, but Boy A was he's, just great. He, I'm telling you, he's been working it for so long, and it's so good to see him finally kind of break through. It's a sweet film, great cast, beautifully shot. My only complaint is when they're on the boat, that process shot is just so obviously on a soundstage oh my with a green screen. Oh, my God, that was pretty it's bad. Just I, horrendous. I, I, I will say this about the film, which I absolutely adore. I think it's just terrific, and I really like that the, the, uh, the, the kid who plays the love interest. Oh, the American kid. Yeah, yeah. just terrific. It was great. I do not think this film was very well shot. I have to say that somehow this film has so visually to me has so little feel for Brooklyn. Now they didn't shoot in Brooklyn. No, but it's supposed to be taking place in Brooklyn. That's true. But I feel yeah. like you know Brooklyn has a very distinctive look and feel, and I just felt that the movie did not capture it. That is the only criticism I'll give a film that otherwise is just just darling. And I'll tell you who else is really good in it in a relatively small but very important part is Domhnall Gleeson, who is Brendan Gleeson's son who has literally blown up this last year. I mean, not only was he in this, he's, he has a nefarious role in the new Star Wars film. He's in uh, The Revenant uh, in a very, very important part. And then he's also the man in, in Ex Machina. 
I mean, it's like, dude, you are just – who's your agent? Give he's, them give them a bonus. My gosh. He's the Jessica Chastain of this year. You, I mean, know, that, you know, suddenly it's like Chastain was in everything. Yeah. For, now Dumb Hulk Gleason is in everything. He's like in everything now. He just suddenly blew up huge, like in a way that his dad's got to be envious of. That's crazy. So anyway, it's a beautiful Blu-ray, uh, even if Mark doesn't like the photography. It includes deleted and extended scenes, optional director's commentary, and a great overall commentary by John Crowley, which is just wonderful. He's such a great director. I love listening to him. It's good stuff. Wait, uh, Hunger Games uh, Mockingjay Part 2 is the uh, final. Good. Of the, of the, Thank goodness. Finally. Jeez. Now if we can just... Let, let me guess. Let me guess. You know what? You know how I should have... It, let me guess. Yes. Donald Sutherland wins after all. Yeah, Donald, and, all yes. and the preceding four films are just a total waste because he still comes out on top and goes, nah, 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 nah. You, you, right? you, know, you know what kills me is that like everybody loves Jennifer Lawrence, but like old people like us, yeah. I mean, relatively old people... We love Donald Sutherland. Oh, totally. <laughs> I grew up on Donald Sutherland. He was like super cool. Of course, yeah. I have to say that uh, I, I did like this movie, and I, and I like this movie because obviously this wraps up the whole saga, and uh, and uh, Katniss goes into the Capitol and uh, what, what, whatever she does. But um, you don't have to tell you guys. I, I, I like this film because it is essentially a platoon film. Because what they have to do is it's just a group of guys. Yeah. They're going through this, this deserted city trying to get their objective, which is to kill, basically kill yeah. Donald Sutherland. Yeah, and I like the fact that it was just this pure, kind of simple platoon film, going mm-hmm. through the city. You know, every once in a while there'd be like this new villain to fight or this new machine they had to kill, and maybe it would pick off one of them, and there'd be one less. And they'd move it on. You know, the action scenes I think were good. Some of it was a little bit like, oh wow, there's a hundred billion gallons of black goo that's going to swallow them. It seemed some of that seemed a little bit like you know, like a bunch of riders just trying to find cool stuff to stick against the wall for them to fight. Um, but I did like the platoon aspect of it. There's a big twist at the end that I thought was fine. Um, yeah, I like this film. I think it's totally fine. It's a good wrap-up. I mean, I'll take it over Allegiant. That's just, just like the lamest. Which I have not seen. Allegiant? But which everyone hates. Yeah. In fact, Bob... Well, because it was, it, was, it, was just, it, was just, it was just going to the YA well one too many times. Bob Strauss. Bob Strauss's review. Have you read any of Bob's stuff on that whole series? No. Bob just cracks me up. He Bob is Strauss funny. is a laugh colleague of ours, writes for the, uh, the Daily News, Los Angeles Daily News. Uh, Bob, Bob is like truly one of the, the drollest, funniest people I've ever known. And he uh, <laughs> he called it detergent, and he just his the 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 puns and the wordplay in his incredibly cynical reviews of that series. It's just beautiful. It's just he's never been better. I really enjoy it. Anyway, uh, interesting little Australian film that has gone straight to DVD, but is worth checking out. I think is Sucker. Uh, I normally hate movies about cons and swindles because they're just all the same. Just sort of figure out okay. If you just assume everyone is lying, you figure it out. Um, not quite so much with Sucker, and Sucker also has a, a it's got a, a cool vibe to it. This is an Australian film, uh, stars this kid John Luke, uh, who was I guess some kind of a YouTube sensation. He's not that good. He's not that great of an actor, but uh, Timothy Spall makes this film. And uh, anyway, uh, John Luke is this kid who basically uh, his life's kind of fallen apart. He cheated to get into medical school. Anyway, he winds up falling in and becoming kind of the Robin to Timothy Spall's super con man, Batman. And uh, you throw the obligatory uh, femme fatale in there, who is his, his, the, uh, Timothy Spall's daughter, played by uh, Lily Sullivan. And uh, you get this really interesting kind of a con thing that feels a little bit more like the God of Gambler stories in the uh, God of Gambler series from Hong Kong. It's not as eccentric and crazy and far out and wild and backflippy loony as the God of Gamblers films, but it has uh, 
has a little bit of a slicker vibe. Might even more like the Color of Money vibe to it a little bit. Um, and Color of Money is kind of a good analogy. Anyway, uh, it's an Australian film. It's called Sucker. And uh, Timothy Spall can do absolutely no wrong in my book, man. He's just he, he just rocks. Now, speaking of which, how come when I emailed you and I said that I finally caught up with the gift, the Jason Bateman, the film stars Jason Bateman. Yeah. And you, you did not, you did not uh, say anything. You did not say, did you see the gift? The Joel Edgerton thing? Uh, he directed it, his first film directing Joel you talk, we're, we're talking about Aussies and yeah, that part of the world. Yeah, I, I, refresh me. I, I probably did, but I'm not. It's, uh, with, uh, it's with Jason Babin and Rebecca Hall. They play a, a couple who have just moved to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes. And, uh, yes. and Joel Edgerton plays a guy who right. used to know Jason Bateman in college. He got reconnects. It. Yes, yes. They, the whole creepy. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Got it. Yes. The, yeah, that thing. Just from this last year. I, I was thinking, I, you're confusing me because I, I go back to, wasn't there, wasn't there an old Sam Raimi film, The Gift? Well, sure, but I'm saying yeah, like, yeah, like so that one you okay. didn't see. Okay, okay. I was very so, impressed by it. Yes, um, it's fine. It, no, it's terrific. It's fine. No, no, no. Joel Edgerton's the man. He is. He As is a the director, man. he's the man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that guy true. can turn the screws, man. He's good. He's good. He's, he's a good, good, good writer. Good director. Ugh, love it. You know what else? I really... all those Animal Kingdom guys. All those Animal Kingdom guys. Oh, they're the best. Jackie Weaver and oh, yeah, Ben yeah, Mendelsohn. Yeah. They've all gone on to be just great. By the way, speaking of, you know, um, uh, what's his face? Our Animal Kingdom director guy, uh, 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 Peter Michaud, David Michaud. You know, he did the Rover, which didn't. It was good. Rover's good. Very gritty. Very future dystopian. Didn't quite connect with audiences. He's got he's, he just, he's his next thing is uh, is this big giant huge Netflix deal. It's like a big Mondo movie. It's crazy. I don't I'm so know. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that he's got a big no, big deal. Do movies? No, but they are movies. David Ayer is doing this ninety million dollar thing over there. Yeah, now. What is that about? I mean, how is Netflix gonna? I mean, Netflix is they, they are bankrolling that thing. They are ninety million dollars to I make know. that movie. That's a lot of money for I mean, Netflix. It's how, a lot of money. I mean, they cannot make that up and increase subscribership. They just can't. This is the thing that worries me about Netflix, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I have always said that they that company worries me because it's not like Amazon. You know, Amazon Studios. They've got other ways to make their money Look, if a movie a- doesn't do Amazon well. Amazon as an empire makes like a hundred billion dollars profit. Every year, free and clear. That is the movie business alone in America. Like every studio, all the studios combined, they, all of their blockbusters combined, they gross. This isn't even profit. They gross. What are we at now? Seven or eight billion? Like, like Amazon, is just, the, 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 the movie business, it was just like, pff, they could literally buy and sell Hollywood and eat it alive ten times over and not even, not even blink. Uh, I mean, that's how huge, you know, it is. I, 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 so Netflix doesn't have that, those kinds of resources, but they're spending like crazy over there just to get, get that stock price up. Uh, it's amazing. I don't know. I don't know if, what the ceiling is on that. I really don't. It seems like they might be, uh, they might be drunk on power, believing their own Maybe. hype, overextending themselves. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'll tell you what movie came out uh, that I expected to hate and wound up absolutely loving like crazy was Daddy's Home. I was shocked at how much I absolutely enjoyed this film. Enjoyed this on a level that almost approached uh, 22 Jump Street. Uh, the, I expected this to be just another stupid uh, Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg comedy. The, uh, the what was it? What was their last one? The two, the two guys, oh, the other the, guys, the other guys. That was funny. Eh, I like that movie. Yeah, didn't like the other guys. Didn't really work for me. But Daddy's Home absolutely slayed me, and it's a very obvious, very high concept uh, thing, which is that Will Ferrell 
has uh, he's a stepdad, and for reasons that the movie makes very very clear, he cannot have natural children. So uh, he is married to Linda Cardellini, and he's a stepdad to her children. And he's just you know he's just the best guy in the world. He overcompensates. He goes to all the games, and he helps them with their homework and the whole thing. And they hate him, but he's going to win their love until guess who comes back in the picture? Their real dad, played by Mark Wahlberg, who is just the most manipulative cynical badass who totally realizes that he's he's got Will Ferrell wrapped around his little finger and the rest of the movie is just a completely juvenile competition for the love of these children that lets both of these guys do what they do best and I gotta tell you as funny as Will Ferrell is in this thing Mark Wahlberg is a riot people do not give him enough credit for being incredibly funny anyway uh, just a, a, this is a laugh riot this film is an awful lot of fun Will Ferrell is great just like he used to be, Mark Wahlberg, the perfect foil. Linda Cardellini deserves all the credit in the world for actually holding down the fort between those two lunatics. And the kids are good. Kids are really good. Deleted and extended scenes, featurette stuff. Uh, and uh, I-, I thought the script was really, really smart. And the-, and the fun thing about this is, as smart as the script is, and it's got a lot of great setups and payoffs and callbacks and reversals, but it has a climactic joke that you have to have seen another film to get. The, jo- the climactic joke actually references another comedy from last year. And I won't tell you what it is, because if you see this movie, I'm going to assume you've seen the other movie. If you haven't seen it, you know the joke. The joke even made it into the trailers. It is a br- it is, it's like one of the best final jokes I've ever seen in a movie. It is a riot. It is a riot. It is a laugh riot. You are way overpraising this film, which I didn't see, by the it's way, a lot so of I fun. can't really say. It's a lot of fun. You know what's not a lot of fun? What's well, not a lot of fun? The uh, boringly named, blandly named Legend. Legend stars uh, Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy as uh, Ronnie Cray and Reggie Cray. Those are the um, British gangsters. I don't know uh, why they had to do another one of these. I really don't. The, the original, either. the original, The Craze, starring the uh, Spandau Ballet brothers, yeah. directed by Peter Medak, who's one of my all-time favorite directors. It's a great film. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Tom Hardy so overacts in this thing. It's he's so unhinged. Well, you know what it is. The um, his performance, uh, uh, Reggie Cray, is just you know charming and what. His performance as Ronnie Cray, who was the the uh, homosexual brother, and way more yeah. unhinged. Yeah, it was just over the top. It I mean, was he almost played it like a comedy. And he, well, he was directed that way. That's the problem. I, I mean, I, I I don't I don't fault him any. Now Brian Helgeland, who directed the film, he obviously, he obviously he yeah. his script for Ellie Confidential won an Oscar, and he's directed Forty Two and, and Payback. Um, the issue that I have with the film is that the movie. You know, it looks good, and uh, Tom Hardy, who I love, strikes a lot of poses, and he's great in it. I just think that all of that artifice hides the fact that this is just not a great script. It's just a little bit on the surface. It never really gets into the true pathology of these characters. It's a little. It's kind of by the numbers. Uh, you know, then they did this, and then this happened, and then that happened. And I just feel like it doesn't really. It doesn't really get into them. I was, you know, just like you, I was much more impressed with the, you know, the uh, uh, Martin Gary Kemp. Yeah, those guys. for sure. Much more impressed with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Emily Browning is good in it as the uh, as the love interest. And it's got a good cast. And, you know, Chaz Palminteri, who is didn't, suddenly didn't feel... just got – Chaz Palminteri he, he's got a suddenly turned – But he suddenly turned 70. Yeah, I know. That's, he that's... was like 45 for like, you know, yeah. years. And now yeah. he's like 70. He's yeah, that's, looking that's a little a bit older. How old is Joe Mantegna? Oh, he's up there too, him. isn't he? I love Joe Mantegna. Yeah. Well, anyway. 
Anyway, Too so uh, watching Hardy, you know, play against himself is this a lot is, of fun. It's a, it's it, thing is that it's, it's just trickery. It's trickery it's, that just you, hides what we should be caring about. And what makes it worse is that it is this is one of those cases where the movie is over art directed. Uh, you're very it's it it really feels it's almost not to the Baz Luhrmann degree. But it really, it's a little dialed up, you know? It's a little too much. It just feels like, okay, we're really trying hard to really give you that, that period sensation. And the result is it just feels like a pastiche of a period. Anyway, really quickly, some animated stuff. Uh, Don't you say we had letters? Don't we did, I mean, email. Yeah, I'll do, email? I'll do emails right after the, uh, this is the new stuff still. Okay, Pick all that right. Up. Okay. Open season scared silly. Uh, the open season thing has gone on way too long. And forget about it. This has bloopers and outtakes. I don't care. Uh, Blu-ray, DVD, digital HD combo set, uh, which means ultraviolet in this case. This is from uh, Sony Pictures Animation. I, you know what? There's just nowhere else to go with the open season thing. I, I guess the animals are funny and, you know, wow, they, they, we, can, we can kind of keep inventing directions for them to go. But it, it just, I, I, I think they've really just burned up all their capital with this franchise. Uh, Kung Fu Panda 2 is out. Uh, they also sent us the original Kung Fu Panda so they're both out now. They have you know a whole bunch of special extras on there, which uh, cross promote and the whole thing. We did not get a Blu-ray for either of these, and uh, I I gotta be honest. I I know Kung Fu Panda Two was kind of popular. I will probably show this to my daughter because she loves pandas and it's not so violent that she will be traumatized by it. So cute. But I've never gotten the Kung Fu Panda thing. I just don't get it. I don't know. I don't know if it's Jack. I don't know if it's Jack Black. I don't know if it's just that the whole that I'm such a martial arts film snob that it just feels like. You know, pop culture uh, pillaging or, or like pop culture, cult, pop cultural well, it's, it's appropriation. Cultural appropriation. Yes. Yeah, it just it just isn't. It just doesn't feel genuine to me. And then uh, lastly, Alvin uh, among uh, new movies, Alvin and the Chipmunks: The Road Ship, uh, really is is absolutely the perfect film to watch if you're trying to find some kind of a motivation to kill yourself. I think this is. I don't think you could do better than this, really. Um, if you really want to just just write the whole thing off and just go sail off into the wild blue yonder and, and accept whatever fate may come your way, this movie will push you right over the edge. It really will. Um, uh, Margie Elliott of uh, Fox TV uh, now is Margie what, Elliott, what's, right? What's better, this film or The Godfather? Uh, well, oh, The Godfather by sure. By, oh, really? By maybe a nose. Oh, no. By, by just a but nose. Not by much. Not by much, okay. no. Anyway, uh, it calls this fun for the entire family, whatever. It's not. It's bad. They've they've all been bad. All of the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies have been terrible. Let's be honest. This is a uh, this one in my hand has DVD and ultraviolet on it. I just I I'm sorry. They're they're just horrible. Uh, all right, Mark. Yes, sir. Uh, a little bit of uh, listener mail, and then we'll... listener mail. Listener mail. So uh, Chevelle Dixon, longtime listener, wrote us a couple of times uh, right around the top of the year, and uh, this is March Wade. I know. Well, we we've we, you know you were you were gone until uh, end of January. That is true. You know, and this was a point he wanted to welcome you back. Said Aww. Tim Cogshill did a great job subbing, and uh, hopes he comes back sometime in the future. We'll have Tim back. Of we'll course. do like a, we'll do like a three for or something. And uh, he, uh, but on the on the Academy Awards in particular, he thought the uh, discussion was well handled and eloquent. And um, uh, then he later says uh, the con- the car conversation. Uh, speaking of your your whole car dilemma. He said, it reminded me of being at a car show when I was young. I would suggest a Mustang mainly because I think they're cool and I've seen Bullet too many times. I hope Mark finds the car of his dreams. On Everest, love the movie. I don't think it did well because the main attraction was the IMAX 3D, which for me, 
The tickets were $17 a piece. It's crazy. Plus, there was The Walk and The Martian, also courting the 3D dollar, and it was about a subject people didn't know about, which goes back to brand pre-awareness. Hopefully, it gains a second life on Blu-ray. Um, and that brings me to 3D is uh, kind of waning. Did you know that? We're going to see a, a decrease in the number of 3D movies uh, uh, greenlit and produced this year for the first time in something like a decade. Good. Yep. Needs to be. Need to take that sucker down a, a notch. Uh, and then uh, Satoshi from Japan said, Recently my region-free DVD player broke. What is the best region-free DVD slash Blu-ray player out there right now, and how much will it cost me? Uh, and my answer to that is uh, it's an open question. It changes literally every week. There are, it, it, honestly, it's the easiest answer in the world, but if you go to Google and you just, research, and you just Google uh, region-free or code-free DVD, you will come up with like a dozen different websites that sell modded players. There are certain players that are easy to mod. There are certain players that are not so easy to mod. Now, you can get a modded player from one of these sites. They will mod everything from Panasonic's to Sony's to whatever. Oppo is still, for my money, the best player out there. Uh, And I think a modded Oppo is uh, probably the best option. The thing is, to mod an Oppo, you can't really hard mod it. You have to have a... uh, a USB drive, that, like a USB key in it, right? And you put the USB key in it, and then that will mod it. To get that USB key is, I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but you, you can do a little bit of digging, or you can have somebody make one for you. Otherwise, um, you can do what I did with the Marantz, uh, which is the Marantz can be very easily made region-free, if you can track down online the actual firmware and you can download that firmware, you put it onto a USB drive, you put it in, and it will automatically update its own firmware with the modded uh, software. Again, I am not at liberty to tell you how to find it, but you can find it if you do it. So that will uh, that makes the Marantz region free. Uh, so there are any number of ways to go about that. Um, but uh, it, again, it changes every week. And with uh, 4K in the offing, and we're going to talk about some 4K stuff next week, um, I would almost recommend that people wait and see what the 4K player revolution does near the end of the year. Because that's going to change everything as far as region free. And uh, then lastly, uh, John McDevitt said, I was wondering if you could speak a bit about the differences in experience between DCP 35mm Blu-ray and DVD. I've seen about 77 classic movies at the glorious Castro Theater in San Francisco since July. They show them in 35mm most of the time, but there's some digital mixed in. So I've gotten to really notice the difference. And for movies that were filmed in 35, digital just feels wrong. However, other than it being sharper and cleaner, probably too sharp and too clean, I can't articulate what it is that feels wrong about it. As for newer movies, uh, forget it. I know Star Wars 7 was filmed in 35, but I don't even know where you can see it that way. Are we basically screwed? Uh, this has led me to question my love for Blu-ray. Is DVD possibly preferable in many cases? Mark, your thoughts. DVD is never preferable to no. me no. than Blu-ray. If nothing else for the audio. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, and, and DCP, people have to understand, DCP is not a way of capturing a movie. DCP is a digital cinema package. It is a way of projecting a movie digitally, which may or may not have been captured on film or in digital. Uh, a digitally captured film project, uh, projected on actual film is going to look like hell. A movie captured on film projected digitally should look pretty good, provided that they have mastered it correctly. Uh, you know, ideally you want to see things in 4K these days. 2K projections don't really do justice, but uh, not anymore. People have gotten too sophisticated. But um, my personal preference, I like things that are shot on film but projected digitally. I do. 
I just I like the look of it. You know what? It's funny. There, there's there's a certain uh, there's a certain nostalgic charm yeah. in seeing a film that was shot on film, projected on film. It's been it's been run through the projector at your local house, you know, five hundred times, and it's got that little hair in the corner, and it's got the cigar burn. There it it's is. Got, I mean, sometimes that's kind of fun. But I have to say that if you capture it on film, if you shoot your movie on film, and you project it on in digital, yep. It still has that film look because it was captured mm-hmm. on film, and it'll never get worse. They'll never degrade. Ever, ever, ever. And you know, films that are uh, preserved, that are archived on uh, on film, film is the pre- is the preferable way to do that. So uh, it's not digital. Digital will d- get degaussed at some point, and you'll lose it. So they they want to archive even digital films on film at some point. All right, Mark. Let's uh, let's hit some of this Mill Creek stuff. We got some uh, classic films and uh, and collections that are now on. Uh, These are not the, the ones I'm holding in my hand. Not classic. Well, I mean, you know, they're just com- visiting with Jean Reno, Christina Applegate, eh. and uh, Christian Clavier. Yeah, just, whoever that is. Let's let's just let people know that they're out there. I'm letting somebody are- know that there's a movie called uh, Just Visiting, which was really <laughs> terrible. It's uh, you know, there's a, there's a count played by Jean Reno. And he winds up in uh, in uh, present day, uh, you know, present day New York, and uh, it's not funny. There you go. Um, Jean Claude Van Damme, Van Damme Five movie collection. These are five Van Damme films. Only really none of these are worth it. <laughs> Maximum Risk, Double Team, Universal Soldier: The Return, The Hard Cores, and Second in Command. These are none of the. These are later period. Um, Van Damme's back when he was pretty. We're talking, you know, maybe two thousand five, two thousand six. This is not really the Van Damme that you 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 came to know and love when you were no. younger, and now you realize that uh, he's not. Then finally, we have a Spring Break double feature, which is which is just a total Mill Creek. Just will include two bad films, and hopefully, you won't realize uh, that each individual one is terrible. We have Private Resort, which, by the way, uh, uh, stars Johnny Depp, and this is from nineteen eighty five, and a film that I remember as a kid called Hard Bodies. And Hard Bodies is with absolutely nobody you have ever heard of and directed by nobody you've ever heard of. But we kind of liked it at the time. But we kind of liked why. it at the time. Uh, but anyway, Private Resort would be the one if you're a total, complete, and absolute Johnny Depp completist. You can see Johnny Depp before he started to realize that uh, he was a lot happier wearing crazy makeup and costumes for every goddamn film he does. And uh, there you go. But and spring break crap. And then we've also got uh, three DVDs compilations, which uh, a couple of them are not bad. I mean, uh, this one is a pretty dumb criminal's triple felony feature. This is three films on one. This is a combo set that includes Big Trouble by Barry Sonnenfeld, which was considered a bomb, but which I can I think is one of the funniest films Barry Sonnenfeld has ever made. I think it is really really unbelievably funny and very clever and Zoe Deschanel before she kind of blew up is great in it uh, I think it's a fabulous film Tim Allen very funny Rene Russo very funny uh, that's uh, Big Trouble and then also is Mafia which was the last Jim Abrahams um, kind of uh, you know uh, hot shots airplane type film that he made that just tanked his career it's not terrible it's also not good uh, Jay Moore stars in it. Uh, uh, those whole spoofy things. It, this really kind of put an end to it before the uh, the the Wayans took it even into a different direction. That's far worse. Uh, and then lastly, High Heels and Low Lifes, uh, directed by the very underrated Mel Smith, who's a really really good director and does some very funny movies. This is not one of his best. I would say Big Trouble is the only thing that, that really warrants buying this. But eh, these are all bargain priced anyway. 
And then uh, political comedies triple feature includes Blaze, Wrong is Right, and Swing Vote, which is also on Blu-ray, which Mark will uh, make mention of in just a moment. Uh, the Kevin Costner Swing Vote, which is, I guess, kind, kind of sort of timely again. Wrong is Right, I actually sort of... Wrong is Right, I sort of enjoy Sean Connery uh, in that. That was, And then Blaze, you know, because Lolita Davidovich is, is fantastic and fetching, and Paul Newman, who cares? Uh, and uh, those are all on the uh, political comedies triple feature. And then the last one is the political dramas triple feature, which includes Storyville with James Spader, meh, uh, Nixon, the Oliver Stone film with uh, Anthony Hopkins, ridiculously overwrought as Richard Nixon, terrible. And All the King's Men, the remake of the Oscar-winning film uh, with Sean Penn uh, which, and, again, Anthony Hopkins, which is uh, yeah, it's so-so. So I guess, you know, if you, if you want something to just kind of uh, spice up election night on some of these primaries uh, or to take your mind off of this ridiculous, horrible American election season that's looking more like a carnival every day, uh, maybe that'll fit the bill. Oh, wait, before we move on, uh, I did for, uh, forget to mention there's another uh, Spring Break collection called Sun, Sweat, oh, Sun, Sand, and Sweat 4-Movie Collection. This one includes uh, Hard Bodies, which you mentioned before, Private Resort, which you mentioned before, Spring Break. And the weird one, although not a good movie, is that it also includes Perfect. Now, Perfect was a film with John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis, and Perfect was directed by James Bridges, which is totally bizarre because James Bridges was, he doesn't do much anymore. I don't think there's anything anymore. He's a good director. James Bridges directed oh, Bridges China Syndrome. Bridges was great, yeah. He did The China Syndrome, yeah. Urban good Cowboy. Right? Good director. He's a good director. Yeah. Somehow, he wound up directing Perfect yeah. in uh, 1985. And that was one of his last films, wasn't it? Yeah, but because it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, he also co-wrote it. But I have to say, of all these, if, if, you, if you do find yourself having to get the Sun, Sand, and Sweat for movie collection from uh, Mill Creek... Uh, get it for Johnny Depp and Private Resort, and get it for Perfect because it's got a it's got the best pedigree of any other film here. Um, Wade just mentioned Swing Vote. I saw Swing Vote. I liked it. I have to say, I thought it was kind of charming. You it, liked it, it more than I did. It, you know what? It's a very low key comedy. The movie is about an election, a presidential election that comes down to the vote of one man, and the one man is an alcoholic egg inspector played by Kevin Costner, and it's and it's all about. It's all about both campaigns just, you know, just swarming New Mexico to try to convince this guy mm-hmm. to vote for their candidate because the president of the United States will be decided based on his vote. And he's got a daughter and he just he's it's got a, a bit deal of with a, her. It, it's a bit of a preposterous plot. Of but, course it is. Yeah. But it, you know what? I thought it was uh, – you know what? I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's perfect, but I thought it was totally charming. Now that we're in, in an election year, the idea that – I have to say – if we're in an election year, obviously, if if it all came down to an alcoholic egg inspector from New Mexico deciding who the president would be, do you think that they would choose Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Alcoholic uh, New Mexico, Trump. All Trump. <laughs> all Trump. Probably. Anyway, uh, I like the fact that the movie didn't take sides politically. It just wanted to be kind of a charming, fun little comedy with a, with a little bit of uh, political tweaks here and there. But it's got a good cast: Nathan Lane, Dennis Hopper, Kelsey Grammer, and uh, Swing Vote is kind of a it's a, kind of a nice little charmer. And it has Paula Patton, who, by the way, Paula Patton love Paula Patton. Oh, delicious! I know, right? She is right, right? Is, totally. 
All right. Uh, Twilight Time has a great batch this week. Uh, really a, a great bunch of stuff. Support Your Local Sheriff and Support Your Local Gunfighter have been out many times previously, uh, but never together. And here they are on Blu-ray in a great combo set, uh, which I think is just really, really wonderful. Twilight, uh, Twilight Time finally put them together. And uh, they—they're really—they are still really fun films. It's just weird to me too that these were rated G back when they were first released. But uh, anyway, James Garner is just absolutely terrific. Uh, two of the most fun films he's ever done. Uh, direct, both directed by uh, Burt Kennedy, uh, and uh, you know what? Uh, a guy really kind of underrated as a director. Anyway, also from Twilight Time, The Big Heat. Uh, which shocks me. I'm just kind of amazed that the uh, 1953 The Big Heat, which is a really terrific film, uh, great performance by Glenn Ford with Gloria Graham. Uh, I just I never imagined that uh, they would let this go as a as a like a licensed title. But Twilight Time did a great job mastering it. Uh, Cowboy, another really incredibly underrated film uh, with Glenn Ford and Jack Lemmon, believe it or not, directed by Delmer Daves, that great workaday director who did so many great westerns and adventure films. Uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, version of that and from 1958 with uh, a great audio commentary that includes Julie Kirgo, Paul Sador, Nick Redman, who's one of the uh, who's, who we interviewed for uh, for our holiday show, who's, who's with uh, Twilight Time. Uh, all of these, of course, have great isolated score tracks. You need to go to twilighttime.com. Uh, La Bambola di Santana is another surprising choice for Twilight Time. Never expected them to do this. This is a, uh, a fascinating Italian film from 1969, kind of that, that golden era when every uh, Italian film was either sort of a giallo knockoff or a Western knockoff, an American film. Uh, this is directed by Ferruccio Casapinta, and it's technically a giallo film, but it feels like it's head and uh, shoulders above it. It's much more kind of like a, in that Corman Gothic vein, really a, really a, a pretty... A, Pretty classic kind of horror style from the era. Where the Sidewalk Ends, another great noir, uh, wonderful pickup for Twilight Time with Dana Andrews, directed by William Stewart. Um, one of the coolest noirs of the 1950s, and this is literally released in the year 1950. Uh, this has been released before. Probably the, I, I would almost, it, you know, look, directed by Otto Preminger and written by Ben Hecht. Exactly. I mean, does it, does it come any better than that? There yes, it is. It does. It does come better than that. That's the deal. No. And then lastly is uh, The Hawaiians from Twilight Time, uh, which is the sequel-ish to uh, Hawaii, which was with Max von Sydow and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the lady from uh, uh, Sound of Music, that Julie, Julie Andrews, Andrews, that Julie Andrews never lady who never heard of her, right? Well, anyway, this is 40 years later, Charlton Heston, there's nobody, I mean, this is a whole new cast, Charlton Heston and Geraldine Chaplin trying to capture the magic of uh, Julie Andrews and uh, Max von Sydow, not really doing it. Um, it, it, it. It's still a great score by Henry Mancini, beautifully made, um, very professional, still on source material uh, by James Mickner, just doesn't quite have the same zest the t- the same verve to it and it's also a bit too long it's you know 2 hours and 15 minutes long um but you know if you saw the previous film you'll probably find a lot to enjoy here it's not a not a horrible film it just continues the hawaiian history in a dramatic way that is not quite that dramatic so that is it for this week uh mark let's see your 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 mission if you should choose to accept it this week is to see as many celebrities as i saw and report on it next week that's only two yeah, it's, well. it's a low bar, and we do live in Los Angeles. Okay. I'm on the case. Okay.